from the city of brotherly love. This is Shark Bite Biz with David Strausser. You just arrived to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star wannabe host, David Strausser. This is your place to grow a business during complete global chaos. Today, it's all about writing your own book. First, though, remember, please download the Shark Bite Biz app exclusively on the Android Google Play Store. All you got to do is search Shark Bite Biz and you'll find every single episode of the show, both audio and video, right there in the app. Now, I also want to give a special shout out because we are coming up to our season finale, which I believe is next week, be the end of season five, and then we'll kick off season six, uh, like the second, third week of January in that time. I think January 9th is a date. Um, don't have my calendar in front of me as we speak, but still, please make sure you like, subscribe, and most importantly, share this show out to all your friends, colleagues, and family as well. Now, let's get back to today show. We're going to be chatting about how to write a book, about how writing a book can help you grow your business, raise money, or even just raise your profile as a market expert. So who do we have today? None other than Julie Broad. Julie Broad, founder of self-publishing services firm Book Launches and an Amazon overall number one best-selling author, knows what it takes to be a successful self-published author. Through Book Launchers and her popular YouTube channel, booklaunchers.tv, she helps subject matter experts write, publish, and promote nonfiction books that will boost their business. Julie's titles include more Than Cash Flow, which topped Amazon, and the brand new You, winner of the Beverly Hills Books Award for Best Sales Book. Her latest book, Self Publish and Succeed, captures her leading tactics to write, publish, and market a nonfiction book. So, with that, let's bring Julie right on in here. Business strategy. Julie, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend, you just became Shark Bait. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks for yeah, having me. I didn't tell me. you about that, did I? So we have a tradition on the show. Very first question we ask every single person is, hey, what do you do for a living? What's your background? How'd you get there? Basically, you know, in a nutshell, tell us what makes Julie Julie. Yeah, I'm the founder of Book Launchers. We're a full-service self-publishing firm helping you write, publish, and promote nonfiction books. Um, the fun part that I always kind of throw people for a loop with is my background is that I was a real estate investor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So people are always like, um, books, real estate, like how'd that happen? But I was building a training. Well, I shouldn't say I was building. I had a training and education company in Canada as well as an investment company. And through that, I was building a platform and kind of went down the road of speaking and all that. And a book opportunity came about, um, with a, with a big publisher. Um, and they, they didn't like my idea, but they gave me an idea and we built a proposal together. And at the end of three months, they rejected me. <laughs> Did you get anything for that effort in three months? Nothing. It was just, uh, Nope. They said the marketing department doesn't think you have a strong enough platform to sell books. And they said, thank you. And sayonara. So I, I, it was, I was actually, I laugh now, but I was devastated because it was a pretty big kick to my ego. Um, but I, it was the greatest gift really, because I ended up going back to the original idea that I had that they said no to. 
and I self-published and it opened up this whole world of opportunity and control and rights and royalties and, you know, self-publishing in my view, you know, was far superior than if I had gotten that deal and done a book I didn't really care about. Um, and little bit by bit, I dreamed up a company I would have liked to have hired. And, and that's really, you know, how I ended up at Book Launchers in a short version that actually took five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, that's pretty awesome because, I mean, the world of self-publishing, I mean, I just had someone, you know, reach out like, Hey, David, have you ever thought about writing a book? Uh, and I was like, yeah, you know, I thought about it uh, as far as just self-publishing, stuff like that, a, a book. And they're like, yuck, why would you ever self-publish it? I, I'm just like, well, simple. I mean, promoting a book these days, I don't think it's rocket science. I mean, especially I have a podcast already, so I kind of understand the recipe for success for a book is A, um, you know, write the book, B, self-publish the book, C, do as many dang podcast interviews as you can on as many podcasts, you know, high quality podcasts that are relevant to the book that you're trying to sell and create some PR buzz for it that way. And it, it seems like as long as you have a decent book and you have a decent message that connects with people that you can probably self-publish and self-promote your book without a publishing house. I mean, how true is that? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that people think is that a, having a publisher means somebody else is going to promote your book. And, you know, the whole reason I was rejected was they didn't think I was going to sell enough books. They didn't have any plans to sell my books. They were looking at me like, how are you going to sell this book? Um, and, you know, the reality is that a good book, whether you're traditionally publishing, yeah, whether you're traditionally publishing or self-publishing, it doesn't even matter how good the book is, it, you know, if you're not planning to market it. And so you do have to have that plan and that bigger picture goal. And the great news is if you traditionally publish, um, you know, you're going to make about 80 cents to a dollar per copy sold at best. And if you self-publish, you know, you have full control. If you sell it direct, you can make more than $10 per book. If you're selling through Amazon, you're probably making 4 to $5 per book sold. But that's a big, you know, when you sell. When you say 4 to $5 per book, I mean, what would that MSRP then? Are you talking like a $15 book, a $25 book? Yeah, usually, I mean, most print books in the business space, nonfiction space, most of them are selling for somewhere between $15 to $19. Um, $12.99 to $18.99 is kind of the range, you know, that most of the books that we work on are selling for. Um, but ebooks, you know, you're selling ebooks for $8.99 or $9.99. You know, that's what you're making on those two, sometimes a little bit more, depending on which program you're in. You make more money on the ebooks uh, or the printed books with Amazon self publishing? It depends. If you go exclusive with Amazon, um, which I don't generally do because I don't like having all my control in one basket, you know, I don't want Amazon to rule the world completely. Uh, you can't sell. Yeah. Exclusive means you can't No, exclusives with one, like whichever book. So your ebook, but you can't sell it, give it away or do anything with it anywhere other than Amazon. Um, so it, you can't give it away on your website. You can't sell it. You can't run ads to it unless those ads go straight to Amazon. So it limits your ability to do a lot of things with your ebook. If you go exclusive, you can go, you don't have to be exclusive with the print book on Amazon but it doesn't change your royalties in any way to go exclusive with them. Um, but in the ebook 
world, it does it does change your royalties if you go exclusive with Amazon. So let, let me throw a curveball here because we're talking Amazon, Amazon specific. Um, what about Audible? Uh, yeah, uh, audiobooks. Because for example, yeah, I have some Kindle books. Um, in fact, uh, New York Times bestseller has me as President David Strasser in one of his novels. Uh, you know, uh, which was a it was it, this one wasn't a New York Times bestselling book of his or story, but it was an Amazon.com bestseller. Uh, Douglas E. Richards um, and uh, is the author and the. Uh, throw that book out there later but uh the name's escaping me i mean it happened like five six years ago but uh, i don't know i thought it was pretty cool being a character in the book but um you know i i own a couple books like that i own the print copy i own the virtual copy i own the audio copy but most books i buy today are going to be the audio version because i don't have time to uh read a book. Uh, I mean, as sad as that sounds, I don't have time to sit there and read, you know, flip through it, whether it's a digital book, whether it's a physical book, but I do have time to listen to a book while I'm working, while I'm driving or whatever. And that's where I'm all audio book. I mean, how, how does that work self-publishing wise versus, um, you know, the, the digital book and the publishing of the, the book too? Yeah, I mean, I highly recommend everyone that writes a nonfiction book now do a an audiobook with with very few exceptions because especially in the last two years, we've seen a huge, huge lift in the nonfiction space. Um, as a company, we've seen it, but also it continues to be overall the biggest growing segment in books. Um, but it's been really interesting because it used to be for our authors. You know, we'd see if they had an audiobook version of their book, we'd see kind of 60 to 70 percent of the book sales would be in print. You know, 15 percent would be in ebook or audiobook and kind of the other piece would be in the other ebook or audiobook. You know, it would kind of just switch a little bit there. Um, but what we're seeing with some titles now is 40 percent of their overall book sales are in audio. Um, so the, the appetite continues to grow. And it also tells you that if you aren't putting an audiobook out there, you're missing a big chunk of the audience because more and more, I mean, I used to always read print books and I've also shifted to audiobooks as well. I'd say 60% of the books I'm consuming now uh, that are outside our client base are audio because I'm in the car, I'm, I'm listening as I'm driving, I'm listening as I'm tidying up the house, you know, those kind of- Plus I can listen faster than I can read. I, I can listen at 1.8% on Audible, whereas uh, reading, I get distracted too easy. It's it just way too easy. I mean, it's hard for me to, I can read a news article, obviously, but it's hard for me to read a news article without also getting distracted by an ad. Oh, wait, 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 there's guitars on this page. Uh, let's check those out, you know? Uh, and that's, that's where the value of the audiobook is for me. The one thing I'll, I'll mention is some authors, they think because it is an expense to do an audiobook on top of your book, um, you know, to produce it and master it at the quality that Audible will accept because Audible is the standard. And, and honestly, most, as much as I'm, anti go exclusive with Amazon with we we go wide with our audiobooks and we see barely any sales anywhere except for audible um so so generally speaking you might as well just be exclusive and make more money with them but I'm excited 
good about Spotify um, and now having audiobooks, which is, you know, for a lot of podcasters also potentially really exciting. But, um, but what I would say is a lot of people think I'll wait and see how my book does and then decide if I'm going to do an audiobook. You're missing out on a lot if you do that, because the most energetic you'll ever be with book marketing is when your book launches. And so you're going to miss out. Nobody's ever going to check back to see if you did an audiobook later. Um, and uh, Amazon in particular tends to reward books that have all the formats. They tend to actually even show the audiobook format first to a lot of buyers versus um, other books. And, and so you're more likely to be in the also bots and the, you know, we, we just see it, it's not, it's not proven. I can't say this without a doubt because Amazon's never said this, but we do see it consistently just being a slight advantage having more formats on, on Amazon. Okay. So, okay. Let, let, let's dig a little bit deeper into that. Let's say you are going to do the audiobook because it does drive me nuts when I see somebody is doing a an audiobook and, or I mean, they're doing a book and I'm like, wow, I'd love to. Uh, get that book. And then I'm searching for it in Audible and I'm like, well, I guess I'd, I, you know, I'm not getting that book because it's not available. And, you know, that, that drives me insane. One thing that you have to consider is again, you were saying about the cost, should the author read the book themselves versus should they hire a professional voice actor? What are some of the things that somebody should take in consideration with that? Yeah, I mean, we only work on nonfiction, so I highly recommend our authors do their own narration. Um, and the, the example I give was from my own personal experience was Mark Manson's The Subtle Art of Giving a Leap. Um, you know, I heard him on a lot of podcasts. I knew his voice and his stories and what he talks about are very personal. And I found it very jarring as I was listening to his stories on his audiobook to not have it be his voice, like that disconnect took me out of enjoyment, out of what probably, you know, would have been a great book. Um, people don't expect you to be a performer when they're listening to nonfiction. They, ex they, want, they want a good narration, but often the author's the best person to do that because you've got the emotion that needs to go with the certain spots. Um, now, exceptions to that, if you have an accent, I mean, I have an accent as far as, you know, when I say process, I say it, you know, funny. <laughs> Oh, but, uh, and I, yeah, it, exactly. But, you know, if you have a strong accent, um, you know, you may want to hire a narrator. If you are dyslexic, it might be easier to have a narrator. Uh, we had a client who's blind. He needed a narrator. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's, there's exceptions, but uh, most people think, oh, I don't have a good voice. Well, you can be voice coached into it. And, and most people actually can do a really great job of narrating their book. And it, is better because it's your voice that's now establishing trust and that knowing, liking kind of feeling in somebody else's mind as they listen to your book. I'll give you a couple of examples on top of that as well, too. The first one is Joe Perry. I'm a diehard Aerosmith fan, as most of my uh, people know uh, that watch the show. They're by far favorite band. Got my tattoo right here. Uh, been to probably close to 30 shows, including the Joe Perry Project. But Joe Perry's book rocks, okay? It's not only just sitting up there for his edition autograph copy, but I also um, have the audio version. I've never read that. Well, one, because I'm saving it because it's the, you know, the special first edition super premiere kit that's signed by him and stuff. But number two is because, again, I like 
listening to books rather than reading books. And I listened to Joe Perry's book and Joe Perry doing the book. It was like he was sitting next to me telling you his life story. Okay. And to me, that was mind blown because Joe Perry is my idol. And it's like, wow, all these intimate details, you know, or you hear about you and Stephen fighting, Stephen Tyler, obviously people, uh, you and Stephen fighting, and this is your side of the story. And then you compare it versus some of the other books that are out there, uh, whether I think Steven Tyler's book, um, I forget if it's Steven Tyler's book or Joey Kramer's book. Um, one of them did not narrate it themselves. And it's like, no, 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 no. I, I know your voice, you know? They, I think they may have done like only the intro or something like that. And that was it, the, the, that little blurb. And it, it was like, this is a total disconnect. Like, no, this is not like, I'm hearing your life story in my brain and I know your life story, okay? And I know your voice and this is not connecting that dot with you. Whereas with Joe Perry, it was a full connection and it blew me away, like just listening to it in that aspect. I think that's probably the first time that I really fell in love with audiobooks because again, it was my idol, it was his voice, he was telling a story and it just blew me away. You know, another another example is uh, I bring this up every now and then on the show too. the little book read uh, little red book of selling by Jeffrey Gittimer does the audio in that. And what he does is he adds some flair, you know, because he's coaching people, he's teaching people, he's trying to stick to the script. But, you know, my sales reps, for example, I'm like, hey. Grab, uh, here, I'm going to grab another book, but grab the copy of the Little Red Book of Selling, okay? You can read along if you want, but actually listen to him because how he how he's doing the verbal dictation of the book versus how you can read it in black and white is different. Like when you hear him say it and how he says it with the tone, because again, when you're reading a text message, how many times do you misinterpret a text message? You know what I mean? Because he had the wrong time. Right. And that's where with this book I found, I read the book and then I listened to the book and I'm like, wow, I got way more out of it listening to it because of his tone and his emphasis than I did just reading the book. Yeah, I agree. Those are great examples. Oh, good. Glad that uh, glad that she agree. Like there, we just sold audiobooks. Everybody's got to do an audiobook. But basically, I mean, it, it sounds like you're saying if you go out there, you create a book, not necessarily, it might not be the smartest to go out and go exclusive with somebody like Amazon and self-publish, but at least with uh, Audible, it's probably the best and that you should be doing all three formats, the ebook, the audio version, and then the, uh, uh, the uh, I guess, uh, paperback version. Yeah, I mean, you can do hardback now. It's really easy to like once you've designed the print book to add hardback to it. But um, hardback doesn't. Well, we actually had one launch where they sold hundreds and hundreds of hardbacks. And we're like, what did they do that everybody wanted the hardcover? But um, but generally speaking, the hardcover does not sell. Um, but, you know, for some people, it makes sense to have it. You know, it can be the better gift for clients. It can be the thing that's better when you do media and you set it up, you can stand it up on the desk and think 
like that but yeah okay so when you're out there you're writing a book i mean people that write nonfiction. i mean it seems like they're writing it about themselves their experience their life their business you know stuff like that i mean what are some of the benefits of writing a book you know of being like say you're a business expert you know somebody like me like what's the what what would be the benefits of somebody like me writing an actual nonfiction book, you know, besides just sharing my knowledge? Yeah, I mean, the first is you want to figure out what, what you hope the book will do and who you're trying to reach with the book, because the book might be about you and your expertise and your story. But at the end of the day, if you want it to have any impact, it has to be for a reader and, and to be really clear on who it's for and why you're writing it for for them. Um, and then kind of reverse engineer the other pieces of it too, which is, you know, why are you writing it? Um, you know, book sales are one thing, but they're not going to be the kickback and, you know, <laughs> kick back and relax on the beach for the rest of your life kind of thing. But, you know, it can be a bigger picture, you know, it can be part of that ecosystem where you're now doing speaking engagements, you're now selling, you know, high level consulting or a service or a course. Uh, but you need to understand that going in, because a lot of people are told you, got, you should write a book, you know, kind of like somebody reached out to you and said, you know, if you thought of writing a book. Well, a lot of people then eventually they hear that enough, they sit down and they write the book. And then sometimes they even go as far as putting it on Amazon and then they go, okay, now what? And they've kind of missed the whole planning part where figuring out what you want the book to do for you and who it's going to help and how um, that's really strategic and important in the beginning, um, because that will set your book and you up for success in achieving what you want. So though that, like, that's one thing I always say to start with is, is that, um, but I mean, writing a book, it, it opens doors to a lot of things. If you write the right book, you know, with my first book, as we talked about, I raised capital for our investment business from that book without, without actually really believing it was happening. The first time somebody called and said, you know, I read your book. I love it. I have $250,000. Can I invest in one of your properties? And I was like, like, is this one of the fake cruise calls, but like a whole new version, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very bizarre. Um, and then also, you know, I had a training and education company at the time and the classes started, you know, not instantly, like three to six months after the book came out. The classes filled faster. I was able to raise prices, you know, and kind of expand. Um, those things happen when a book gets out there and has an impact on a certain audience and they want more. Well, I mean, some of the things that you're talking about there is that you're really expanding your brand awareness. I mean, whether it's your business, you know, or it's your own personal brand, uh, you know, you're, you're creating the brand that awareness and it kind of allows allows you to, I don't know, I guess kind of put your stamp on it. Like, Hey, look, yes, I am a, a, an authoritative uh, figure in this space. I do have expertise, you know, in fact, so much, here's an actual, you know, book on it that proves, and you can agree or disagree with the book, you know? Uh, but for the most part, it allows you to build that that brand for whatever that goal is, right? Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, they call it a business card, but I, you know, I'm like, anybody can go to the print shop and print a business card, but the book, you know, takes some effort and energy. And the other thing to think about is, you know, when you think about people who go on television, a uh, news show, you know, they'll put author of such and such book on the bottom, you know, they don't put, you know, they, if they have nothing else, they'll put your degrees, but generally, Generally speaking, you know, the assumption is in most spaces, you've got the same credentials as everybody else. So the book actually becomes the differentiator. Right, right, right. 
No, that totally makes uh, makes sense. So when you're out there, you're launching a book. First off, I mean, is there any specific, I don't know, this might be a dumb question, but is there any specific season that is better or worse to actually launch a book or can you just launch it pretty much year round? It's not, it's not a bad question. It's a question. I actually filmed a video on my, my YouTube channel for, cause people ask me it all the time. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there isn't necessarily a bad time to launch a book, especially if you have your own audience, but it's hard to get attention for a book launch in December. It's also hard to get attention for a book launch in July and August. And, and that's just largely because those are busy seasons where people's attention are pulled in all directions. And, and yet book sales are really high in August. And, you know, a lot of books sell in December as well, because people buy gifts, but that doesn't mean it's a good time to launch a book because the momentum can be really hard to pick up in those spaces. You know, you, it's hard to book media. It's hard to get your friends to write the reviews they promised. You know, it's, it's, those are tough months to do it in. You know, I think it's also tough in certain cities as well, too. I mean, uh, you're in Los Angeles. Uh, I lived in Los Angeles for many years. And if I was to, you know, try to promote it locally, yeah, I could to small groups. I mean, I, I had a lot of networking groups, stuff like that. But I mean, in a specific market, I think it's I don't know. I think it's hard. I think, uh, you know, you're fighting for attention almost. And especially during COVID, you know, everybody became an author, just like everybody started hosting a podcast. Uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things that people did to fill the gaps of extra time that they now had in their lives while they were stuck in their houses. Um, so I, I think, like, how do you compete for that attention span, you know, of, of, of potential people when there's so much other competition out there now. Yeah. I mean, first, a lot of people say that they're like, Oh, everybody's got a book. And I'm like, well, if everybody has a book, then you're not even meeting the bare minimum. So you better get your book done. That's, that's the first thing. But the other thing is writing a book that solves a very specific problem for a very specific audience. <laughs> but you know, if you solve a, a specific problem for a specific audience, then you've got a market for your book and they'll need it. You know, one of the books we put out that I always refer to is called Tactical Lock Picking. It's a book on getting through locked obstacles in an emergency. Um, fire responders are, you know, people that absolutely need to know how to do that. And otherwise, you know, they're going to, they can't save lives or they're going to have to do a lot of property damage in order to get in there. So then I need to know how to do it when my uh, neighbors take a vacation. So we're good. Right. I, I somebody <laughs> told me that they locked their child, their child locked them out of the house the other day when they went outside to get their mail. Oh. And I'm like, I got the book that you needed. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, too late, but, too late. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Too late. But you needed that skill already. But that book sold incredibly well. And we had on our, on my team that pitches people for media appearances, they had like a 75% success rate, um, uh. which is unheard of. And, and it's because it solved such a specific problem for such a specific audience. It was an automatic yes. Yeah. So I guess, uh, you know, we want to start wrapping up and I got two final questions for you. The first question I have is length. How long should a book be? And should you be looking at the like which version of the book should you be looking at when considering length? Are you looking at the the printed book and seeing how long that is, the digital book, the audio version of the book? I mean, where where do you find the happy balance for everything? 
Yeah, I mean, the look, the book shouldn't be longer than it needs to be to achieve the outcome of the outcome for the for the reader. So don't fluff it up to, to hit a word count. Um, but, you know, for it to be a legitimate book, you kind of want it to have about at least 25,000 words. Um, the typical business book or nonfiction book these days is somewhere between 40,000 to 60,000 words. Typically, that's usually about 200 pages in a normal print book, 200 to 250 pages. But, you know, we, we have books all the time that are, you know, I just got one yesterday that I think launched a couple weeks ago. And this is, this is you know, relative to my book. This book is 65,000 words. So you can see, um, you know, it's all it has a very specific problem that it solves. So. The, the book should be as long as it needs to be, but you know, you want to get it long enough that it still feels like a book, not a brochure. Oh yeah. 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 I, I get uh, a lot of books that are smaller, maybe, you know, this, uh, not an Apple person, but, uh, my company gave me an iPad mini. So think of this right. iPad mini size book and about 120 pages, uh, I, I get a lot of authors that write books that are roughly around that size. And that's what I uh, uh, get sent. And then I'm yeah. like, okay, you know, if it's a specific, it's a niche, you know, and most, most of them though, to your credit, it is something that it's a niche, um, you know, a niche book written to a very specific audience. So that's probably where they can get around with writing a shorter book just because of the mm -hmm. fact that, Again, you don't want to just milk it out like, oh, it's only 100, 120 pages. No, I got to double this. So let's uh, put a lot more ands, ifs, and buts in there. Uh, yeah. And that it used to get a boring book, you know? Exactly. And I mean, readers generally appreciate a short book that accomplishes the outcome that they wanted in a, in a short amount of time. Now, kind of like this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you go back to your bigger picture goal, though. I mean, if you want to get speaking engagements, that tiny little book may not give you the credibility to get on a big stage that you're hoping for. So you you want to you want to kind of weigh it with those things. Right. That's where you write three or four little tiny books. And then you have you could do like Jeffrey Grittimer, you know, the little red book of selling, little red little black book of this, little green book of that. And you got this whole like 15 book collection of these little colored books that came out throughout the years. I mean, that's pretty smart and they all fit a specific need and very easy, light reads. You know, anybody just that's just starting to get into basic sales or wants to brush up on sales skills. I, I swear those books are, are still solid. But uh, anyways, Julie, hey, this has been amazing. This is one of uh, the topics that I love talking about. I've been wanting to talk about for a while. Um, so I thank you so much for coming on. Can I please ask you, where can people find out more about you? Where can they find out more about book launchers? Please share where they can find you online. Yeah, the, the best thing to do is to go to booklaunchers.com forward slash the number seven steps. Um, so seven steps and download our seven steps to write a book that's set up to sell. Um, that will get you all our links, all our contact information and my email address. So you can get fully in touch and in contact through that. Perfect. And as everybody knows, we will have the link down below in the description. Julie, hey, thank you so much for coming on. You shared so much info. This was great. I, I love talking. Anytime I could talk about Joe Perry and Jeffrey Gittimer in the same podcast, it was a successful show for me. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you. Cheers. Wow, that was an incredible chat with Julie, wasn't it?
First, do you all know the routine? If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked those warm and fuzzies, do me a favor, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, but most importantly, share. Share this video out to anywhere you dwell on the interwebs, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Minds, Rumble, wherever you're at. Share it to your friends, colleagues, and friends because you know Shark Bite Biz is the greatest kept secret in the world of small business and professional growth. Now, let's get back to the real rock star of the show, Miss Julie Broad. I'm not going to lie, okay? I've always wanted to write a book. I've had a couple of ideas from, you know, like, for example, what I've learned on this show with so many amazing guests, just like Julie, and the advice that I got during one of the most craziest times for business in our lifetime being the pandemic. But I've also wanted to write a book on my life as well, too, because as many of you know, from listening to the show week in and week out, I've had a very non-traditional life, a very non-traditional business growth, career growth, professional growth. It's been a long and hard journey for me. And I know many of you out there watching this episode, watching this show that love Shark Bite Biz are probably thinking much about the same thing. You're probably thinking about writing your story, writing your expertise. And, you know, when you come down to it, there's not many people that don't want to share their knowledge and help other people grow. And most of the listeners of the show, I think, uh, are doing that or want that. In fact, I'm doing that. Instead of booking private sessions with all these experts out there and learning from them privately, I bring them onto this show. I do a live interview with them. Well, it's recorded, but it's live with me that you guys get to see the replay. Uh, But the point is, that's where I share the knowledge that I gain with everybody. And I try to ask questions, one, that I find a personal interest, but I try to put myself in your shoes so that you can learn from, you know, what you all are thinking, what you would ask the guests, what you'd want to to know. And I, I try to do that so that we all gain, we all learn, and we all be able to grow. We do the three Gs as I talk about, the personal growth, the professional growth, and, you know, most importantly, business growth as well, too. So if you feel that way, put it into a book. Help people grow, help people learn from your knowledge or your expertise or your career transformation, whatever it is, because it has never been easier to self-publish a book than it is right now. Sure, sure, sure. You'll need a marketing plan. You'll need an editor. But the time is now. I mean, this is really the golden age of self-publishing books and being able to get your stuff out there and get yourself bona fide as an expert or help earn money for ideas or your business or whatever it may be. That's where somebody like Book Launchers and Julie Broad can help you really show what an expert you are in your field or whatever your business is, uh, you know, or, you know, your life story, your career transformation, whatever it is, it can really, you know, help you get that book 
written, get that story told and get it out into people's hands. Because really, what good is a book if no one's buying it or even if you're giving it away for free? Okay, what good is an ebook that no one downloads? You get what I'm saying? I mean, you really need an expert like that to help you get that to the next level, because writing a book by itself, you know, very rare that it's just going to sell itself. You need to have a plan and, you know, team up with somebody that can help you get that book and launch it into the stratosphere. So, hey, awesome stuff, Julie. I love your mission of helping people get their business out, their knowledge out, their expertise out so that they can help others grow, whether it's from their successes or from their failures, you're getting those stories out. And that is amazing. Question of the day. Would you self-publish? Have you thought about it? Leave a comment down below on YouTube or wherever you're watching or listening to this show. Do you want to be on the show? Interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. If you're watching on YouTube, do us a favor. Don't forget to join the channel. $3 a month, you can become a baby shark. Or if you want to help us out otherwise, you can hit the little super likes button. It's a heart with a dollar sign right below the video. Hit that, a dollar, $10, $50, whatever you can do. Every dollar counts helps us carry out the mission that we're doing. Y'all know this by now, but I'll say it again. I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Bite Biz, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story. 